This is my own private domicile and I will not be harassed! Bitch! Gangsters, what's up guys? What's the grant to a motherfucker like me? Can you please remind me? Get the world by the tail! Fat broads and horse-faced lesbians. Cute as shit. Oh, 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 skip, skip, skip. If you don't chew big red, then f you. That's so horny. Could you imagine if I hit the old water pipe with that thing? Oh. Great cash, homie. Three, two, one, let's fuck! Everybody's got to hear the shit on W Balls, W Balls, W Balls. Good afternoon, everybody, or morning. It's I release these in the morning, so I always assume morning. But good morning, everybody. Okay, we are back. Can you dig it? I can. This is another weekly edition of the Do Not Listen to This Podcast. I'm your host, Sam LaCrosse. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is a Friday afternoon. I am, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm getting out of work a little bit early, kind of playing hooky, although I, I, I work, I think. I, I like to believe I at least work more than my other colleagues, so I think I can cheat out 15 minutes. I'm seeing the new James Bond film tonight, which is... Very exciting. I, I love movies. I'm a huge movie buff, huge film buff um, for the good shit. I mean, the bad shit is, is usually awful, and I say it's awful. But, you know, I'm, I'm really into movies. I love movies. I love um, Daniel Craig is the one of, like, the only, like, three men left in mainstream film culture that actually looks like a man. I mean, so I'm seeing Dune, I think, in two weekends from now, and I think Dune is going to be, um, you know, with, um, you know, so that's, you know, Timothy Chalamet is obviously starring in that movie and he I don't know he kind of looks like you know a little bit of a guy but then he he's really skinny looks like he chain smokes a bunch of cigarettes and you know I I don't even know so anyways it is um you know we are going to have to you know just kind of work forward to it kind of get everything involved with everything all this other stuff so see the new James Bond movie tonight sneaking in Halloween candy Halloween is on Sunday Huge sports weekend this weekend, by the way. So I am an Ohio State fan, so we have Michigan-Michigan State tomorrow. We have Ohio State-Penn State tomorrow night. We have UFC 267 in the middle with my guy Corey Sanhagen fighting Piotr Jan. we got Jan Blachowicz and Glover Teixeira. we got Islam Mahachev and Dan Hooker. we got a bunch of good fights going on, so it's going to be a great weekend. The Browns play the Steelers' first division game on Sunday. It's going to be a great, game. It's going to be a great weekend for all intents and purposes. So what I wanted to focus on today was something that is, is I think we all think about, but we really don't know what it is, including myself, and I kind of wanted to find out. I don't know if I was successful in finding it out or not. This is kind of what this podcast is about. This is what this blog really is about, you know, to be honest with you. And I, I think that, um, you know, we need to really have more talks about this and what it actually is because people say this word all the time. And again, I'm not even sure if I got this, this shit right. I mean, I, I, I do not know. I genuinely do not know. So I think this was a big, you know, you guys love to make your own opinions about it for yourself. I'm going to keep doing the podcast whether you fucking like it or not. But I mean, if you guys think it's, you know, good or whatever, that's fine. It's great. But I wanted to kind of dig into this a little bit because I had like a situation kind of set it off in the back of the corner, kind of got the ball rolling and we'll talk about this in a couple of seconds. But, you know, just something to think about, like to kind of start that off with everything else and really, you know, make sure that I'm drawing a logical, somewhat logical line and all that stuff. So here we go. 
Jordan Peterson has been cited many times saying that great people are great people for two reasons. First, they are great at something. That is, indeed, the first prerequisite for greatness. The second reason, however, is much less obvious. It gets hidden a lot within society, mainly, in my estimation, because the people who claim to be great, but actually are not, do not do it nearly as often as they should. The second element of greatness that Jordan Peterson claims holds up the greatness itself is the act of mentorship. And not just mentorship, but the fact that they seem to enjoy mentoring. They take it upon themselves to make sure that people surrounding them are getting better without being told to do so. Particularly young people who will inherit everything the old people leave behind. Like the great Yoda once said, they are what we grow beyond. I'm not saying I'm great at anything. I personally get, I suck at most everything I do. And you know, like I said earlier, you guys can be the judge on this blog and this podcast if that's the case. Since most of you who come upon my pages don't know me in any other context, all you have to judge me on is what you see before you or here right now on this podcast. I like to think my writing is good and that my podcast is good, but only you can be truly the judge of that. My deficiencies throughout my entire life have been pretty large. In every interview or one-on-one conversation I've ever had, whenever someone, had, someone has asked me what I'm good at, I always say the same thing. Nothing. I truly don't believe I'm good at anything. I'm far from special and hardly talented. The only thing I could potentially be good at in some contexts is bashing my head against the proverbial wall repeatedly until I, have every, until I eventually become quote-unquote good at something. I don't really have a lot going on for me in that sense. I really never have. Therefore, I've tended to feel a lot of empathy for people who don't know or aren't good at a lot of areas. So that being said, mentoring has, consequently, become very natural to me. When I was a senior in high school and offered to either sit on the first team or coach the second team, I chose the latter option. Whenever someone needed help on a work problem, I volunteered. Whenever someone was struggling in a subject at school, I would at least point them in the right direction. Most of the time, it ended up being a one-off occurrence. I would help the person get pointed in the right direction, that would be the end of it. But sometimes that person would come back with another question, which I would answer. This pattern would then continue, and I would find myself as the de facto mentor to the person asking the questions. I enjoy doing this because I enjoy helping people, particularly when they're deserving of my help. These mentees have come in various forms and fashions. I can definitively say that not one of them has been the same as the other. This is a good thing. It keeps me fresh and motivated to help that particular person with that particular situation. But my most recent situation with someone whom I was helping was very eye-opening. This kid and I had known each other for a long time. We were lifeguards at the same pool. He's about five years younger and a hell of a lot smarter than I am. We were never friends. We were good colleagues who worked together well in a team setting. I always respected his ambition and his his desire to achieve his goals. He has a close-knit family who encouraged success among their children. I'm not exactly sure entirely how we got reintroduced, but I think it was me that initiated it, actually. I was looking for ways to get more exposure to my blog and podcast and had contacted him about how to best go about doing this. I heard in passing that he had run an online business over the summer between his freshman and sophomore years of college this summer and had been decently successful, so I reached out. In return, I would help him in terms of navigating the professional world. He was going to school for computer science, and he thought that he could leverage my experience working for a tech company to get a good foothold into how the industry functioned on the professional level. We set up a Zoom call and prepared to reintroduce ourselves. Well, it turns out that my friend was more than decent success because his business was an incredible success. At 19 years old, this guy had somehow figured out how to resell Uber Eats coupons over Reddit to generate a profit of roughly over $10,000 a month while only working an hour a day. To say that I was shook was an understatement. 
This kid wasn't just smart. He was a full-blown genius. He taught me how to market my blog over and podcast over Reddit based on the methodology he used in his coupon reselling business. I took notes and promised to help him out with networking in the future. I gave him the names of two rock star students at our university, one of which being a close friend of mine, I actually talked with him this week, and told him to get back to me when he had reached out to meet them. A couple of months passed by, and we reconnected. I asked him if he had reached out to them to set up, to set up a time to have a conversation. He said no because he had, quote, done research. And I was taken aback by this. I had handed two absolute killers over to him on a silver platter, both working for an incredibly reputable and successful organizations, and were absolutely rock solid as individuals. And he chose to ignore that advice. Was my advice bad? Did he even need it for how smart he was? I implored him and asked him, and he said the unthinkable. He didn't do it because he said it was bad advice. He didn't do it because the people on Reddit told him not to. My jaw dropped when I heard that. But I kept my cool and tried to help him. He was just probably trying to get a balanced look at things, I thought. But it turns out that he wasn't. Whenever I tried to help him, he would shoot me down. AskClown underscore 69 said that wasn't how it worked. Whenever he would ask me for something and I would tell him, he would immediately say it was bullshit. He had heard it from some Forex trader on YouTube. He stopped trying to listen to me because he only wanted to be right. One day the discussion came to when he was talking about where he wanted to go to live and search for an internship. He said the only place where you could go get a good computer science job was in California or New York. And I said that was absolute bullshit. You can get a good computer science job most anywhere, particularly in booming markets such as Florida and Texas, and you don't have the downside of living in a garbage state. He said that I was wrong. The people on Reddit said otherwise, you see. This was the final straw for me. If you didn't want to listen to me, fine. But I personally think it's highly disrespectful to keep someone around for, quote, help, when all you want to do with that, quote, help, is disregard it so you can prove to that same person that you're smarter than them. And I chose to draw the line in the sand. Quote, you need to stop acting like you know everything. You're a second-year student from an upper-middle-class town who has been incredibly sheltered and has never worked a real job a day in your life. You know nothing about the real world works, and I'm not saying you bow down to me or show me superiority, but this know-it-all smart Alex shit needs to stop. You might know how to work Reddit, and you might know how to code, but how you treat people matters, and no one wants to work with an asshole. So you're either showing me and other people respect and have dialogue, or we will have no dialogue. Does that make sense? End quote. But still, he pushed back. The people on Reddit really mean it, you see. It made the difference for all of them, you see. He also admitted to multiple people telling him the first two and a half sentences, but he chose not to listen to them either. I then took out the shovel and dug the line deeper. Quote, The internet is not a real place. The real world is a real place. You've seen an incredibly small sample size on an internet forum that might be used by a small fraction of that small population. You're an incredibly smart guy with a very bright future, but that doesn't mean dick if you don't know how to be anything other than intelligent. And if a lot of people are telling you that it's probably true, it's probably true. Listen to people like that. You can learn something. The dialogue I'm mentioning is not even considering what I'm saying because someone on Reddit says it. If you want to trust them, that's fine, but leave me out of the conversation if you do. End quote. And that finally got his attention. He apologized and said that if he were to continue taking my advice, he would actually, you know, take my advice. But this problem is not just regulated to this one person. This is a problem that we all share in very large quantities. Remember the persona of who this person is. 
This is a barely 20-year-old, soon-to-be mid-level sophomore in college who hasn't lived in either Cleveland or Columbus at any point in his entire life. Of course he wouldn't know how the world works. He hasn't seen any of it. One of the best things that's ever happened to me throughout the course of my life has been the numerous opportunities I've had to go away from where I grew up and to learn how other people lived. There's, this, there's a statistic that is widely cited that says most people, this is coming from Colin Cowherd and this is his sources and I actually double-checked this, will never move more than about 40 miles from where they grew up. It amazes me every time I read it, and even more so now that I'm realizing how true it is. When I was networking for the job I currently have now, I was hesitant about this. No matter where I would have accepted a position, it would have been incredibly far away from where I grew up. There was no middle ground whatsoever. It was either all in one place or the other. I was hesitant about this, as anyone in my situation would most likely be. Fortunately, I had a great networking contact within the organization who went to my high school, and a great networking contact, rather, within the organization who went from my high school and college. I looked him up quite a bit, and I looked up to him quite a bit. He was everything that I imagined a successful person to be. The one piece of advice to this person that I will never forget is him telling me to get out of the Midwest. There's nothing wrong with the Midwest, in my opinion. It gets unfairly demonized by a lot of people, but it's truly a fantastic place depending on what you value. But leaving the Midwest has, in, has indelible advantages that I can say for certain looking back on them have impacted me in tremendous ways. Not only did I move to one of those locations for work, I've done it twice. I've lived in 15 different physical places in the last five years, most of which was several different groups of people. From the outside looking in when interacting with people, I can see much more clearly now who has done at least something like getting out of their own bubble versus someone who has no experience doing this whatsoever. It's frankly not hard to do. All of you have to do is ask them their opinions about anything that can be considered, quote, controversial. You can tell by their reactions about almost immediately about their life experiences. But there's a broader trend that I think is also worth bringing up. Consider for a second how these last 20 months have gone in our world, but instead focus on the causes of them and not the results. Obviously, there are more than enough results to cherry-pick from in order to get that answer. The causes, however, are a much harder question. They always are. And I would say that the lead potential cause of all the results from 2020 and 2021 come from the same situation as my conversation with the unintentionally ignorant college sophomore. Instead of spreading our wings, the world has been completely insulated and shut down. All perspective in totality has been lost for the false premise of what we think we can gain from having none of it. This, in my estimation, is the leading common denominator of why things seem just as fucked up as they are. Without objectivity, everything becomes malleable in our own eyes. When everything becomes malleable in our own eyes, we isolate ourselves from the world. When we isolate ourselves from the world, we are threatened by everything that isn't aligned with that world. When we are threatened by everything that isn't aligned with that world, we tend to lash out. And if it's anything like the past 20 months, that lash will sting like a motherfucker. There's a re reason that I use the word utility in the title of this post in this podcast. The definition for the word utility, according to the dictionary, is, quote, the quality or state of being useful. I like that word a lot. I first learned the context of the word from my dad. My dad was, thankfully, never a, quote, do what makes you happy type. My dad, instead of using that horrific phrase, used the phrase, do what gives you utility. What do you find meaningful? What makes you useful? What makes you feel like you matter? This is a much better question to ask than all the others that could potentially take its place. 
And this question as related to perspective is the exact same way, provided if we apply it, apply it properly. The utility of perspective is that it will make our lives and interactions with other people in the world useful. It's right there in the definition, actually. As people who are trapped in this fucked up place we call Earth, whether we like it or not, I think we would be wise to get some of it. Some real perspective. And to do this, we need to realize what real perspective is, why it's at the root of a lot of our modern day problems, and what we can do to improve ourselves by getting some of it by applying it in good fashion. I really suggest you listen, because you can't find this type of wisdom on a Reddit thread. The first time I experienced true perspective was in my junior year of high school. I was in my introductory economics class sometime around 1.30 in the afternoon. This was a required course in public schools in the state of Ohio, and we had to take it to graduate. I would later take, take AP economics the next year and score the lowest possible score on the AP test that was possible. This is before the fall. Most of the students in that classroom didn't want to be there. First, because it was a class of 16-year-old high school students. Second, because most, if not all of them, did not want anything to do with economics. I had a pretty smart class, as I can recall. A lot of the people in that room went on to study medicine or science or go into a trade. Nothing really to do with hardcore business logic at all. However, for dumb future business people like me, I was interested. I didn't know how the business worked at all. I only knew that several family members ran small ones and people like a fictionalized Jesse Eisenberg and a coked up Jesse, Justin Timberlake ran big ones. The topic that day in class was wages. We were learning in our class that day the price of labor and what it costs to run a business from that perspective. Labor, being the one of the four major factors of production, takes up a good amount of money in order for both an economy and an entity of that economy to properly function. After the introduction of this important concept, we then began to get into the company structure and how, are they, how they are composed. There's the small people, like the entry-level former students and lower-level technical workers, and there are the big people, like the corporate executives and vice presidents. There are hierarchies, like all things, and they must be respected. This made perfect sense to me. It was pounded into me from an early age, sometimes quite literally, that nothing in life was achieved without hard work. While it wasn't the end-all be-all, that was the genesis point of nearly every good thing that could happen to you in your life, at least in the context of my family. The more work you put in and the better work you did, the more opportunity presented itself. The more opportunity presented itself, the more rewards you got the chance to milk from that opportunity. The people at the top end of the hierarchy in anything were the people that usually worked the hardest and or were the most talented. This made perfect sense to me. Not only did it make perfect sense to me, I couldn't see why anyone else would think differently than I would. How could anyone have a different opinion on it, I wondered. It was, quote, the way things worked. It was, quote, how things should be. As far as I was concerned, anyone who spoke out against this was a lunatic. The conversation then turned towards the upper management, specifically towards CEOs, the top executives at any company, or the top executive at any company, I should say. 
In every single company structure, the CEO is either or both two things, powerful and rich. There are some CEOs that take low wages and some CEOs that have no power, but there is hardly anyone that is not either of those things. This was, in my opinion, just. The person running a massive company has the most responsibility and the most at stake, therefore they should be the one making the most. It was that simple to me. So I was completely dumbfounded when I heard a voice from my left say, quote, I think that's wrong. There's no way a CEO should be making that much money. They should be making just as much money as everyone below them, end quote. The voice was a squirrely one, a cucky one if I were to be so bold. I recognized it immediately. It was from a cross-country kid who was in the marching band. I was disgusted by him. Not because he ran cross-country to the marching band. My brother did both of those things, as well as several others whom I respected. The reason was this, came, th this kid was the same as the kid in my intro. He was a smartass. He always thought his opinion was the best opinion. He was sowing the seeds of intellectual elitism every chance that he got, and I hated it. But I couldn't hate it at the moment, because the shock had taken hold. With those three sentences, this kid had shattered my entire philosophy around an entire discussion. What I thought was an objective truth was suddenly, miraculously, up for debate. And I couldn't believe it. Not everyone felt the way that I did. Not everyone thought that the people with their most responsibility should get paid the most. The contrast was unbelievably stark. It was completely opposite. I didn't know what to say. Later in my career, and particularly now, I understand his point more. There are greedy and slimy CEO fucks like David Solomon who use woke capitalism and other nefarious tactics to rip the guts out of any and everything that they touch. There are CEOs who do not deserve to be where they are. Their, quote, expertise is hardly justified. There are CEOs that treat their employees like dog shit and step on any and everyone to get ahead in their various pursuits. There is no way that these people deserve this money. They hardly deserve anything. But back then, it was unfathomable. I couldn't comprehend another point in the slightest. I was raised in a think tank where my family had incredibly succinct and uniform ways of teaching people and us how to live, ranging from my grandparents to my aunts and uncles to my cousins and my siblings. My family is very good at that, and I'm very fortunate for it. But the downside of that was that there was nothing contradictory to push back upon. There was nothing to prepare me for a world where differing opinions are not only common, but are expected. The definition of the word perspective, according to the dictionary, is, quote, a mental view or prospect, the interrelation in which the subject or its parts are mentally viewed, end quote. When distilled, the way we should look at, pun intended, pun intended perspective, is simple. Perspective is simply a point of view and how those different points of view interact with one another. It's that simple. Both parts of the definition definitively say that. The way perspective is either, quote, gained or lost is in direct correlation for how much you're willing to be open about what your opinions are. I had no perspective that day in my economics class. Specifically, I had been, I had been exposed to no differing opinion from, it, my, from that opinion ugh, and my own my entire life. Since I hadn't experienced a different perspective, my mind was not open. Since my mind was not open, I did not and could not see another person's mind being poured out into our world. This resulted in my corresponding shock when someone with a such a contrasting opinion from mine was able to rock my entire world. There's a lot of talk about, quote, perspective nowadays. Travel vloggers post about it quite frequently. 
Only with a trip to Bora Bora, you see, and you will see the world differently. You'll, quote, know what it's like to be in their shoes. You'll be able to, quote, connect with yourself and others. You will look upon the world upon your return with different eyes, with fresh eyes. No longer will you be limited. Now the sight of the world will be forever expanded, allowing you to be a fully and more realized human being. Well, that, or it just could be a pile of shit. I, naturally, tended to lean towards the, quote, pile of shit option. Particularly, particularly people, particularly young people, think that traveling and going places and doing crazy shit is the key to gaining perspective. That going on a five-month excursion to Europe after you completed your bachelor's degree, all in your parents' dime, most likely, is the key to seeing how other people live and how other people think. And this could very well be true. Going to different places and meeting different people and seeing things could do this for you. But there's also a contingency. To see that contingency, let's go back to the definition. In the definition for this article, there is nothing related to anything physical. There are no trips to Bora Bora to see the clear water in the definition for the word perspective. In fact, there is nothing about, quote, doing anything. It simply is the way it is. The word is the word. But inside of that is a powerful thing we need to extract. The word, quote, mental is the focal point of the definition and what we should be focusing on. It doesn't matter if you just go somewhere. Your mind has to be engaged, too. A lot of people go on vacations, understandably, to tune out. They go on vacation to get, go on some beach somewhere, or they get blitzed out of their mind for a week, get a tan, and come back. They have a good time, most likely, but they don't really learn that much. They don't get perspective. They're all in on the all-inclusive resort and pina coladas, but they miss the starving native Jamaicans who have to sell milk for six cents a carton in order to feed their children. Perspective is not simply going somewhere and seeing things. Perspective is realizing that there are people that live and think differently from you and looking upon both with honesty. When we do not truly commingle and talk about things, it is incredibly hard to gain perspective. The guy from my economics class probably couldn't understand my point about CEO pay just as much as I couldn't understand his. The people going to Bora Bora don't understand Bora Bora at all. The people vacationing at the all-inclusive resort probably don't understand the people of Haiti just as much as the people of Haiti don't understand the vacationers. When you first experience someone with a different walk of life, it's usually incredibly uncomfortable. Humans hate the unknown and don't like attempting to walk through it in order to find meaning. No matter whether you're on the short or long end of the stick, we would prefer not to see the other end of it that isn't ours. Some of this is basic survival, but some of this is also purposeful self-preservation. We don't want to look. We don't want to see. We don't want to understand. And when we do eventually see it, we usually encounter problems along with it. We usually are so afraid of someone simply thinking a different thought from us that we turn around and attack them for it. We tell people to, quote, educate themselves, whatever the fuck that means. We tell people that they are wrong and that we are right, and damn you if you don't bend to my will in order to accommodate my supposed certainty. We'll get into more of this in the next section, but this, especially at scale, is a massive problem. We live in an incredibly diverse society, to the contrary of what a lot of people with malicious interests say on Twitter. We're the only country in the world that is not defined by either a nationality or a religion. We're increasingly not confined to a single language anymore. All we have is our culture. All we have is the ability to make sure that people we live in, that live in America not tear each other's throats out. When we lose that, we don't have a country. Ask Europe how that's going, and it's hint, it's not going well. Perspective is how we ameliorate this problem, at least in slight quantity. Perspective is not forcing anyone to do anything that they themselves otherwise wouldn't want to do. 
It isn't cramming down top-down bureaucracy and forcing people to violate their conscience. It isn't telling people to, quote, educate themselves. Perspective, in the grand scheme of things, is realizing that you are not alone. You are not the center of the universe. And you need to be able to sit and be uncomfortable with that fact for the rest of your existence. Sorry, shit in your cornflakes. You are most like not... Jeez. You are most likely not right. At least not completely. You will most likely require other things along the way to help make you right, including a group of people to either tell you that you're right or wrong. When you're not right, which happens a lot of the time, shocker, you must be able to adjust or people will rightly oust you from the social conversation. The real world doesn't give a single fuck about your uncertainty. The real world is perspective incarnate, and perspective is the cousin of uncertainty. It is always knowing that you can be better if you choose to open your mind and see that you can be better. But unfortunately, not a lot of people do, and that's a big shame for all of us. It makes everything worse. Infinitely worse, actually. And here's why. The second major time I encountered perspective was two years later. After I had transferred to the main campus of my university, I was in a transition program that took into account transfer students from all areas of the university. They then put them together in a classroom in an attempt to get people more comfortable with life within the university, the bigger university. All in all, it was nothing short of an awful class. It was over the top, unnecessary, and flat out pointless. Except for one thing. It was nothing that the professor did or that the curriculum taught. Instead, it was a moment that I'll never forget, one which taught me that maybe my previous year inhabiting the Ohio version of Siberia wasn't as bad as I once thought it was. I forget what exact question was asked, but I believe the professor running the transition course asked our class something about a struggle where we came from. One girl immediately shot her hand up. I remember her being very quiet and very nice. She was an African-American girl from Brooklyn who had grown up incredibly poor to the point of being near destitute. She told us that she had recently lost an aunt to cancer and that her mom was going through a lot of health problems. She told us about her life and about how hard it was to put, her f- put food on the table. She told us about the crime, drugs, and poverty that had defined her entire life. Sexual assault was thrown in there for good measure, too. She told us about everything with absolutely honest conviction. While I forget some of the details about what she had told her class, the feeling of listening to that poor girl talk about the tragedy of her life has never left me. The despair, the emptiness, the hopelessness, the helplessness. I'm a helper by nature. But in this scenario, I couldn't help. I could only listen. I listened as a complete and utter, with, as a complete and utter sadness of existence unfolded before my very eyes. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to respond. Little did I know then but I finally saw what suffering was like outside of my own little world. It was no different than my experience in my junior year economics class. I had been insulated earlier with my family and then with my satellite campus. The first hadn't been entirely my fault, but the second one overwhelmingly was. I only knew suffering and pain through my own suffering and pain, unlimited scope even in its best metric of objectivity. I mistakenly thought that my definition of suffering was how the world at large defines suffering. I couldn't have been further from the truth, but until then, I had no idea. 
I thought my suffering was suffering until I was slapped hard across his face by something greater than my suffering. That explained my emotional overcompensation of feelings. I never experienced anything of that depth of emotional pain before, even though it wasn't me that felt it. That singular moment in time allowed me to feel pain by expressing it through others. This is a useful skill, in my estimation. It allows us a gateway to be shown true empathy and to really see what is going on behind each of our individual curtains. However, most of us don't do this. Pain is painful, if you didn't know. We don't like to feel it ourselves, even when we might justly deserve it. We sure as hell don't want to share it with just anyone and everyone. Pain is a terrible thing, and suffering is inevitable. When the two are dealt with in an inappropriate fashion, some bad things can result. And those bad things are what is causing a lot of the issues being faced right now by each and every one of us. So much so, in fact, that I believe them to be at least somewhat of the genesis of most of the problems we've faced in the last few tumultuous months and years interacting with one another. This, in large part, causes people to do one of two things. First, it causes them to assert their suffering over others. They automatically think, without having perspective, that their suffering is more than someone else's. They think that they have reason to gripe and bitch and moan that they've been somehow wrong or scorned by the world in some way or another. You don't know me, they say. Therefore, you can't possibly say suffer more than I do, they follow. But, as we covered in the one comparison to rule them all, there is never an this is never an answer we can rely on to tell us with sincerity that we either are right or wrong. Comparing our pain only leads to more pain. Pain and suffering are the universal constants of life, along with breathing, living, and dying, and shitting, or whatever, I don't know. You might never feel happy in your life, but you'll certainly feel bad at some points. The world is made for that purpose, unfortunately. Second, it causes them to not give their own suffering the proper respect that it deserves. And this is the problem of mindless positivity. They sweep it under the rug. They avoid it and ignore it without realizing that they're, settling, they're setting themselves up for more of what they're trying to hide from. They throw it in the fog, not to be seen. And that is something that should never be done. That's the second rule number three, by the way. This scenario, not being honest with our emotional state, fuels a feeling of insignificance within ourselves. We don't have real problems, according to this logic, so we must act like this is the only life that can be lived. We care not for burdening others, so we shoulder all the burden ourselves. Soon after we start this endeavor, we begin to resent others. We don't think about how much other people's perspectives. We only think one thought, that they have it so much better than us. And no one can understand us because they're too busy seeing how much greener the grass is on their side of the pasture. This dynamic ultimately leads to our current modern-day victim culture of oppressor versus oppressed. This path is usually a divergence. People take one path versus the other. There's hardly any indifference, at least from what I can tell, because pain is universal and pain hurts everybody. Therefore, these people resign themselves to their fate, either one category or the other. They throw themselves on one side of the fence without even realizing that the fence they just threw themselves over is not simply a divider, but a gateway. And a gateway to what, exactly? A gateway to conflict is what? That gate leads to groupthink within your particular community, whether you're on top or on bottom. People begin to not only disregard the other side, but begin to disgust it. People not only don't understand, they don't even want to understand. This vicious cycle continues over and over, beating into their heads that their only, problems only their problems matter, 
and that the other side is somehow ignorant of them without realizing that it is they themselves that are ignorant. You become so self-absorbed that you get drunk off your own victimhood. It's quite a sickening sight to see. And what happens after is even more sickening. When you cannot see the other side of an argument or an opposing point of view, to you there is no opposing point of view. In fact, there is no other point of view at all. You become an absolutist, someone who is, will stop at nothing to scourge the other side from their awfulness and rid the world of their existence. You become dogmatic, seeking to destroy any and everything that you oppose. You adopt your own new religion, becoming completely confused, consumed by the fragility of the moment that you used your own weakness to bludgeon what you think is wrong into mush. The Crusades were a series of religious wars fought in the Middle Ages between the Christian and Muslim religions over the Holy Land. They were horrific. They slaughtered millions of people, a lot of them innocent. They raped women, pillaged towns, and shed shit on fire. They weren't fun for anyone. Not a lot was accomplished. If you haven't noticed, with the exception of the War on Terror, which in my opinion is debatable at best, there haven't been many since. We should pray continues. The reason why religious wars are so awful is because the opposing sides of a conflict are so passionate that they will stop at nothing to rip the opposing throne opponent's collective throat out. When you become stuck in your own religious conflict, it becomes simply more of the same. You become so incredibly threatened, it diluted by the overratedness of passion, that you succumb to it in order to take your frustration at the lack of your own perspective on any and everyone who opposes that perspective. You must do anything you can to abolish that other religion for the simple fact that it is not yours. And our society is becoming more and more religious, even though organized religion itself is, burnt, itself is and has been on the decline for years now. We simply have replaced gods with other gods. It might not be a god with a white beard, but it's definitely something. This is the third of America's religion problem. Even if you say you don't believe in something, that's still believing in something. And when that religion is your only worldview, every bit of your identity is instantly threatened. You cannot sit with uncertainty, the cousin of perspective. You become so polarized by groupthink and your own misplaced sense of suffering that you cannot deal with consequences of your own lack of awareness. And even though the world is too aware, that does not mean that you should be left ignorant. That's a violation of the second don't, and I would advise against it. But it's one thing to do it by yourself. That's chalked up to individual competence and individual problems, something we as a society should encourage people to take over collective action. But when this is forced by collective action, a whole new set of problems arise. In these past few months, we've been forced to stay inside for a good portion of the time. But by whom? Well, by our experts, mob, and ruling class, mostly. These are just about the three absolute worst groups of people to take advice from in every scenario. But due to the way our society currently functions at the moment, these folks have gigantic, a gigantic megaphone to talk down to everyone, everyone else at pretty intense volumes. I'm not against true experts or a ruling class, although I'm very against a mob in any scenario. I want smart people and people who are confident, competent rulers to do both of these things. However, I'm very against the idea of being deliberately led astray by people who have the same problem as everyone else, being corrupted by power. These people are flawed just like the rest of us. They're inherently selfish and cannot help but rein themselves in when they have no incentive to do so. We've seen in posts throughout my time at how these people can influence us to make decisions that we would otherwise regret. We've seen what true intentions they hold and why they hold them. To simply take anyone's word as bond without asking them to put their money where their mouths are is nothing short of stupidity. 
It's insanity if you keep doing it over and over again while expecting them to treat you better. The world simply does not work that way. So when they told us to stay inside, to take their word as bond, to shut up and obey, and combine it with our natural inclinations to avoid perspective and its cousin of uncomfortability, we should have known that the powder keg would blow sooner or later. And it did. The problem that we didn't anticipate was how multifaceted and dangerous the explosion would be. The actions of those with the most power and profit, combined with our own inability to check our two E's and see on the other side of our proverbial fence, has reduced the utility of perspective to zero. Most people now see no optimal usage in kicking their perspective into gear at all. It's nothing to them but an annoyance and a distraction. The escalation of this feeling by our experts' mob and selfish ruling class only has seemed to escalate those poor decisions, leading to, of course, more division and more strife, to which there seems to be no end. This situation sucks. It's awful. Our suffering should be commonplace, not unusual. We should want to see the other side of situations, not blatantly ignore them. Perspective is a valuable tool, and we should want to use it. But how? Like I said earlier, I've moved around a lot. Some of it has been my choice, some of it hasn't. I like to think I'm going to stay where I am for a long time, but in reality I don't know shit. I like it down here now, but I have no idea at all what the future holds for me. I have some exciting plans coming up for the start of this year, 2022 that is, that I sincerely believe could either make me or ruin me. It'll be interesting to see how those play out and what they do to my current situation. Before I settled in Austin, I had the idea of living in part-time three to four month leases around the country. I'd simply just pack up my things and move on from place to place, hitting the road like a hitchhiker with no ride to hitch. I would travel around the country and see things. I truly think our country is very beautiful. I don't like when people slander it. Most of the time they don't know what they're slandering in the first place. I drew up maps. I had everything planned out. I had locations figured out and traced into a diagram of where I would go and when I would go there. I had it all planned out, even depending on if my work forced me to settle somewhere. However, I didn't end up going through with it. I decided to pick a place and finally settle down, which is why I'm sitting down and talking to you through a microphone that I got from Amazon from my open space in my South Austin apartment at this moment. I thought a lot why I made this decision that I did. A lot of it went down to me wanting to put my roots down somewhere. I'm not entirely sure if I'll stay here, as I mentioned before, but I do know that the move of not moving is definitely one of the move of not moving is definitely the one I eventually want to make. I don't want to run everywhere. I can't possibly see anything or everything. I want to see a lot of stuff, do a lot of things, but eventually make my home somewhere both in my identity and my physical location. Moving around a ton like I have has been an uncomfortable scenario every single time. But every time I've done it, it's been with the cousin of uncomfortability. Perspective. Every time I've been introduced to a new location, I've made a push to get introduced to the new perspective that it can be gained from doing just that. 
Like I said, just visiting somewhere is just that. Just visiting somewhere. But when you become uncomfortable, when you really involve yourself, you begin to discover some things. And that uncomfortability that I've been willingly put myself in, I've learned so much about who I really am and what I really value. I've learned about what I need and what I don't need. I've lived off of almost nothing and lived off of more than I could ever spend. I've lived in shithole apartments and really nice apartments, in really good areas of town and really bad. That teaches you a lot, even though going through the process sucks a major cock a lot of the time. Being uncomfortable with some of your views is a very okay thing to be. It means that you have not succumbed to absolutism and are open-minded about having them challenged. Only Sith deal in absolutes. We should avoid being Sith. A person who is not open to challenge is inherently a weak person. Think about it this way. If you don't challenge yourself with heavier weights and longer runs, you're going to stay weak. If you don't want to learn more complex and intricate information and process that in your brain, your brain is naturally going to get soft. If you don't confront the hard issues in your life and try to make them better, your life is going to be relatively weak compared to what it could be if you so necessarily applied it to being otherwise. The second something becomes concrete in your head, you should try to debunk yourself to see whether it's really true or not. This is not to go into another absolute like postmodernism, the hellscape of the modern world where not even basic facts exist. Rather, this is simply to give yourself a much-needed stress test and see where your perspective can be improved. You must do this internally and not enforce it on anyone else, because to do so would be to engage in a new religious conflict that you have no earthly idea how to enforce and handle properly. We usually never do, so it's usually wise to go there. Leave it to the Crusaders. They're all dead anyway. The great thing about having values is that you have the complete ability and control to test them. They're strong, but they're not rigid enough to the point where your life will completely fall apart if they break. People change. Perspectives change. This is usually an inevitable fact of life, unless you're like a sociopath or something. When you experience new things and connect with those things internally, Something within your internal dialogue usually switches on when it wasn't on before. You begin to see why things are the way they are, why people believe a certain thing, and why you are seeing that thing differently than them. The lack of perspective, the lack of uncomfortability, is what is causing the people that are supposedly in charge seem so stupid and disconnected. No one wants to even try anymore, it seems. It's just a bunch of stupid people trying to talk louder than one another and say stupid shit just to say stupid shit. They don't want perspective. They just want obedience. But obedience is usually in short supply when the thing you're asking people to obey makes absolutely no fucking sense. But something else must also be done in order to approve your life through perspective. One of the most depressing things about modern society is that no one seems to respect themselves anymore. At least not nearly to the degree that they used to. Everyone is so eager to please one another that we've simply forgotten that our own opinions and perspectives are the ones that matter the most. This is not being narcissistic or selfish. Not at all. This is simply sanity and survival. Think about if you had no perspective on how you see the world. How useful would that be? What utility would you be providing the world with? Probably not a lot of either. You should have respect for other people and respect their ability and courage to have a perspective on something. But that does not mean at all that you should shun your own personal self-respect just so they can have theirs. The spineless and the weak are the ones that get advantage, taken advantage of and abused in our society. They are the ones that are easily manipulated and coerced into listening to our fraudulent expert class and then are shoved under the rug of the mob to do their bidding. 
With no internal fortitude, you directly force yourself to succumb to the fate of someone who is just another someone, with nothing of merit or value in the slightest to offer the world. Don't roll over. You won't be doing anyone's perspective a favor, and you'll be actively be doing your perspective a disservice for the simple fact that you're blatantly choosing not to have one. Groupthink is toxic and dangerous. You should be careful not to succumb to it. What if their perspective is bad and needs to be changed? What if it actively hurts people? What if it actively hurts you? What if it violates your moral conscience? Without proper self-respect, this will happen to you. Whether or not perspective is the victim of the scenario, it will be something, and it will be something personal to you. Everything in life is the price to pay for it, and this is the one that gets paid when you choose to self-identify as nothing more than a cog in your collective consciousness of another group. That's an atrocious and sad way to live. What a waste of individuality. What a waste of an identity. What a waste overall. Finally, I want to stress once again that it's fine to explore. It's fine to go places just to go places. Mindlessness has a place in this world. It does. In our world where our brains can seemingly never shut off and stop moving, we need time to shut off and stop moving. This is the main purpose of vacation in my opinion. To shut your brain off. But if you want to understand and gain perspective, that is something that you need to have your brain on for. You can't sleepwalk into doing something useful. It must be purposeful, and there must be intent behind it. It's fine to simply explore. But to get perspective, you must get uncomfortable, and you must understand. Make an effort to talk with other people. Make an effort to be vulnerable about yourself and encourage that ability in others. Show what you bring to the table. Show what you really believe in. Showing people what you truly think is the only reason the things have a chance of getting better. Nothing gets better by hiding. The only way it gets worse is when you pretend that it does. Perspective is a tool. Therefore, it is inherently neutral. It cannot be used, overused, or used just the right amount. Or it can be used not used or used just the right amount. It can be used for good and bad, to create and destroy, to uplift or tread upon. The utility of perspective, to us, is that it can allow us into parts of the world we never thought possible. It can open doors to new things, to better things. It can also warn us of things we would be wise to avoid, to steer away from in order to keep our minds and souls intact through the waters of life. It is up to us, as always, and how we use this tool both for our benefit and those you wish to care for. The convergence elements coming together and splitting a part of our worlds has allowed perspective to be blocked from all angles. Should we want to live more well, we should act to divert both forces. Because you could end up a Reddit guy if you don't. Whew. Okay, everyone. Well, that's it for this week. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I, it, was, it was interesting to write it. Don't know if it's good or not, but I think it's good. So, I mean, you know, hey, fuck it, right? So, yeah, that's my podcast for a week. So, have a great week, everybody. Talk to you. Talk to you. Oh, God, this is fucking awful. <laughs> talk to you guys soon. Own the day. Open your mind. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Hopping, stopping, hopping like a rabbit. When I take the Nino Ross, you know I got to have it. I lay back in the cut, retain myself. Think about the shit and I think it well. How can I mix my grip? And how should I make that nigga straight?